1: Hey everybody, what's going on? Welcome to Friday morning! Duffified Live! That's right, I'm Chef Brian Duffy. You can call me Bri Duff, you can call me B-Duff, you can call me Duffballs, you can call me whatever you want to do. I really don't care. Uh, I have lots of nicknames, man. I wear a lot of hats, but it's the way I like to live it. So, uh, I want to uh, thank you guys all for coming out. This is our 25th episode. I have done (laughs) this shit for 25 weeks, man. This is a half of a year, almost. That, uh, that we've been doing Duffified Live. Um, I have a couple of people that I want to thank. I'm going to start off real quick just so you guys know that number 25 couldn't have happened without the uh, the love and the uh, the professionalism of the boys down there in Tampa, Florida from RadioInfluence.com. I want to thank you guys very, very much. Please check them out. An amazing group of podcasts uh, and shows that these guys put together, and it's two guys that literally just bang it out every single week. You know, you're going to hear tonight's episode, and you're going to hear me – uh, you're going to hear some mistakes, and you're going to hear some some technical issues and and stuff like that. But these guys spend a tremendous amount of time putting these together, and I could not be happier. Or I could not be prouder um, uh, of the show and the way it gets put together, and and that all comes from these guys. Um, I have to thank Maggie Gagliardi, Mag's art. She's an amazing, amazing, talented artist. Uh, please check her out, and 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 you know. Check her out. That's all I have to say. Go on to Instagram and Twitter and Facebook and look her up because her work is unlike anything I've ever seen. And every time that I put a show together and I'm able to put her on there, you know, she does all the promo pieces for us and the artist and the or the art and the illustrations for everything. Um, Maggie, I just love you. And, and and I love the work that you do. So everybody give her a shout out. Um, go and check her out. T- tell her how much you love the promo pieces. I appreciate it. Uh, and then I got to thank Michelle. Um, out there at, uh, um, techno solutions for my website and all that. And just the years of friendship and, and business that we've done together is really important to me on episode number 25. Um, then everybody, my favorite people, I have to tell you that one of the things that I am absolutely uh, loving is the fact that we got noggin where I'm talking about nogginware.com. where.com noggin a company they're based out of uh, new England, um, Scott is uh, one of the owners out there. Scott and I have built a relationship and a friendship over the last couple of years, and I'm honored to have them as a sponsor for the show. Um, Nogginware is, uh, is a hat company. They make all my hats for me. You guys know how much I love hats. I mean, shit. Sometimes I travel with 10 hats. I know it sounds a little bit crazy, but you know, it all comes to the mood, man. I mean, do I want to wear a camouflage? Do I want to wear black and gray, black and white? It all comes down to what it is that I want to do. So I travel with them, and Nogginware takes care of me with that. One of the cool parts about nogginware as well is that they have a hat of the month club. So you can go out there and you get a three-month or a six-month subscription. You can also buy a single hat. They've got really, really cool stuff from limited edition hats. They've got Um, uh, they do a whole bunch of stuff with artists and cartoonists um, that they create these beautiful hats with. And somehow they picked a short fat chef from Philly to work with. And I love it because the Duff hats that they've been putting out, um, I'm just really proud of. I I really like their creative um world and the ingenuity that they have with some of the stuff that they do turnaround's pretty awesome but you want to get back into that subscription go and check it out type in chef bride off as the code you're going to get 10 off you're going to get a little bit of a, a gift in there from the nogginware boys it's going to make you a little bit smart and the best part about it is no shipping charges they do not charge you rape you take advantage of you they don't give it to you any other way than straight you're going to get a great hat 25 bucks for an individual hat Sign up for their uh, subscription program. It is three and six month long. You get a hat every single month. You don't have to worry about it. Look, add to your collection, man. Get a Duffified hat in there if you want to. That's what I like to do. Okay. Um, So let's do this real quick. Three fifty. I'm taking notes as I do this. You guys get this? Okay. So for this week, uh, some of the stuff that I wanted to talk about um, really kind of comes down to um, what it is that I do in my life. Okay. Um, I am a chef. I get to travel all over the world. I get to have a whole bunch of fun. Um, I get to be on TV. Sometimes I get to do a radio show, a podcast. I get to do appearances. I get to go around the country and I get to meet people on a daily basis. And with that comes a lot of, you know, a lot of sacrifice. Um, you know, you're on the road. Um, I'm 60,000 miles in for this year. And guess what? It is August 22nd the day after the eclipse and uh, you know, it's trying at times, you know I mean? There, there's a relationship that, that, that gets lost, whether it's somebody with somebody that you love or a girlfriend or a wife or whatever it is, it's a tough world. Sometimes um, it looks like a great time because there's a lot of partying and there's a lot of great meals and there's a lot of great drinks and a lot of great interactions with people. But there's a point of it where you kind of start to miss it a little bit. You miss being home. You, you miss being with your friends and family and, Um, you know, it gets tough sometimes. So I don't know why I'm talking about that, but, uh, I've had a lot of interactions over the last couple of weeks, just with friends, um, you know, where I'm trying to make plans to see them and do things. And y'all know my motto that it's, you know, the art of the preparation makes it, you know, creates the experience. And to be able to get to that experience point, you have to not say, no, you've got to say yes. Um, which is kind of cool. and, And it's one of the ways that I really like what my next guest has to say, um, because it's a quote that, that he said that I'm gonna repeat a couple of times throughout this interview um, about the fact that you can't let fear cripple you um I uh, you know it's one of those things look we all have a fear man we all have a fear of all sorts of things do I have enough money in my bank account or am I fucking my kids up am I you know um am, am I making a mistake in this situation or should I drive that fast do I need to hop on a motorcycle um, you know you can't let fear cripple you and for me, Look, I'm a Harley rider, man. I love my bike. I love getting on there. I love riding. I love being out in the open air. I love sharing it with the people that I care about, um, You know, whether it be somebody on the back of the bike or me riding with one of my buddies who, who we don't get to see a lot of, but we get on the bikes, man. We got a little headset. Y'all can make fun of me. I don't care. We got a little headset, and we get to talk to each other, and that's a big part of my summer. It's a big part of my fall um, that I get to do that and share it with friends, So, but I'll tell you what. There's days where I get on that bike and I'm scared shitless, man. There's a lot of jackasses out there who don't see you. They don't pay attention to you. But but it's it's like a church for me. It's like a a, it's like a a religious experience in in certain ways where I get to get out there. I do a tremendous amount of thinking. I do a tremendous amount of reflection. um, And uh, it's important to me. But I I can't let that fear of being on the bike because I do have it. You never know. Somebody pulls out of an intersection. Somebody, you know, uh, sideswipes you on on a highway or they open their door, for God's sakes, as you're driving past them. Um, You know, so I try to ride pretty careful and I try to do things, but I can't let fear really dictate. Um, But, uh, you know, speaking of the reflection that I get while I'm out there, and we're going to get a little bit weird here, everybody. I want to talk about the eclipse yesterday. Um, And one of the neatest parts about the eclipse, I think, for me, other than seeing it, understanding the importance of it, um, you know, I have uh, I have some some people I have some some people in my life that are pretty important to me and very educated on what they do. And a friend of mine was telling me all about the eclipse and the importance of it and what it comes down to. And, uh, you know, she's somebody who's kind of dancing with cancer and uh, one of the most positive people that I know. And I'm very proud um, to know her. And, uh, to listen to her talk about what she does, but she was really telling me a lot about the eclipse and the importance of it with the energy shift and what happens. And, uh, a friend of mine had sent me a video of, uh, the eclipse happening at that exact moment. And one of the coolest parts about that was, uh, in the background, you heard the bugs and you heard the birds. And when that totality came, and we all talk about totality this entire week, um, when that totality came through and it was the full eclipse, Uh, listening to the birds just flip out and listening to the bugs their you know, their sounds got bigger and louder and more vocal. Um, It was really pretty wild to think about how important the moon and the sun are to what it is that we do and how it affects us. You know, you go through a whole week of no sun and you're kind of depressed that vitamin D that energy that comes from that is something that's really pretty cool. And so for me to be able to look out of my funky little glasses that I was sharing with my children and friends yesterday afternoon, um, and see the the vibrant colors that this eclipse that was happening, the bright oranges and the reds and the blues and the greens that were all out there was really amazing. And it was something that I kind of, uh, you know, I really, I really enjoyed. Um, it was something that I, I really, I, I hope I get to see it again in, in 2025 to the extent that I got to see it yesterday. Um, I think next time I may actually make that trip. I may make that trip to that 70 mile, 70 mile wide strip. Um, to where that sun comes through and where that eclipse happens. So, um, you know, I don't, know. I hope you guys uh, enjoyed it as much as I did. And I think the one thing that I really took away from yesterday, and again, guys, I'm a chef, but uh, you know, I think, and I live, and I live in the same world that you guys all do. And I see the same things and, you know, I see the negativity on Facebook and I see the negativity in Twitter and how we are condemning people just for being, you know, a TV personality or a billionaire or whatever it is. Um, and in reality, we should trust each other just a little bit more that we're all good people. And I think that was the one thing that I really took away from on yes, yesterday. Well, Monday for, for me, for you guys, Monday, for me, the 21st of, of, of August yesterday was that we all did the same thing yesterday. We all had one common interest and that common interest was the eclipse. And that common interest was the, The, the life, the event that was happening and it was literally an event. It was a, a once in a lifetime opportunity for some people to see that and experience that. You know, I remember the eclipse in 1979 and my, my mother made sunglasses, man. That's what we did. She took the two, the, the cereal box and put the hole and, and did all that stuff. But I was, I was eight years old. I don't remember it the way. And I don't remember the, the profound importance that we, that it had on yesterday. Every single one of us did the same thing at the same exact time. We all had a focus yesterday afternoon that was one of peace, that was of a common interest. Um, and, and, and I hope, and I'm not a preaching guy, but I hope that yesterday um, everybody can pull together. Let's just stop. Be nice to each other for a little while. We all are human beings. It doesn't matter what color you are. It doesn't matter what religion you practice. I don't give two shits who lays in your bed at the end of the day. If you're happy and you're good to people, then why is it? that we have to go against them. Why is it that we have to fight? We have to have rallies, we have to create slogans and everything else. Like we're all humans, man. We're sharing this earth as one species. And the thing that sets us or that 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 divides us comes down to a color, a religion, an opinion. You know, 15 years ago, an opinion wasn't a negative thing. You had a debate about it, you had a conversation about it. Now when somebody has an opinion, they blast you. They call you a piece of shit, which is what happened to me on the day of the election. I was called a piece of shit because of who I voted for. And I looked at the gentleman and I said, You do realize that this is real life. You do realize that this isn't Facebook. I can see you directly in front of me. There's no question. You know, we're all sitting here right now. Um, but I, I think that the one thing that I, I really hope, let's just try it, man. Say hi to somebody, hold a door. You know, let somebody cut in front of you, and if they cut in front of you and they're an asshole, you're not an asshole. You don't have to reply back to them. They had to get somewhere faster than we did for for whatever reason. Who knows? Maybe their child's in the hospital. Maybe their wife called and she's not feeling well, and they wanted to get home to take care of her. Who knows? Maybe he's just an asshole. I don't know. But for us to flip out and lose our shit over it, it just doesn't make sense. And and I've kind of had a lot of peace in the last couple of months, and it's important for me to kind of share that because... You know, with being in restaurants and dealing with the, the, the individuals that we have to deal with and the decisions that we have to make every single day, it gets tough. But you know what? We're all here to do the same thing, and that's live a good life, have some fun, maybe make a couple of bucks while we're at it. Some of us have to raise our kids and get them to be really good people as well. Because guess what? At the end of the day, we all live and we all die. And we spend a tremendous amount of time fighting in between, and that's just not for me. Um, I know I had a a kind of a negative episode last week to start off going into such a positive gentleman like Cordell Booker um, by talking about the restaurant and why I sold and why I cashed out and why I did the stuff that I did. And I had a negative conversation leading into um, that first. Uh, But, you know, hey, look, I'm a human being as well. Um, I followed it up with something really positive and I took a tremendous amount out of my conversation with Cordell and it made me a super happy man. So that's how I feel about that. That's it. No more of the spiritual stuff. Because guess what? Remember, I'm a or I like to go out and I like that fun as well. Because that's what we do. So, with that being said, I want to introduce you guys to my next guest. Um, my next guest is a uh, uh, somebody that I've wanted to talk to for a while, man. Um, it's it was really important to me uh, to get this guy on because I want I mean, like I think he's awesome. Um, you guys might know him from being on TV as a uh, uh, just somebody who was naked and kind of afraid in the jungle. You might uh, know this guy from uh, you know uh, being a dual survivalist. You might know th- this guy, excuse me, um, from uh, uh, you know a couple of other shows, Survivor and stuff like that. So uh, you may know EJ from the Discovery Channel series Naked and Afraid and Dual Survival. Um, EJ is an extreme survivalist, adventurer, and retired Army combat vet. Um, EJ is a highly decorated uh, combat vet with 25 years of military service under his belt serving ranger positions in infantry and airborne units. He joined the armed forces at 19. He moved up the ranks quickly, seeing combat in both the Gulf War in 91 and a 15-month tour during Operation um, Iraqi Freedom II uh, two in 2004 to 2005. E.J. earned two Bronze Star medals, the Legion of Merit, the, uh, the Order of St. Maurice or the Centurion, and over 40 other medals and decorations while serving our nation. Uh, during the, his time in the Army, E.J. attended a vast number of schools, highly increasing his diverse set of skills, deployed on training and missions all over the world, and received many accolades throughout his career. He stepped up as a ranger instructor, survival and tracking instructor, and drill sergeant. E.J. was a renowned athlete and fighter during his time earning the nickname Skull Crusher. E.J. retired at the rank of Sergeant Major E9. Um, it's uh, This is a guy who I've really wanted to talk to. One, everybody knows my, uh, my respect and uh, my passion for the military, And uh, to be able to make a decision that you want to defend our country, no matter what your reasons are, whether you want an education, uh, whether you just want to go and kill somebody or whether you want to protect our country, I think it's a tremendous honor to be a member of the military. And I appreciate every single one of the people that are out there doing it for us. Um, I did not join the military, and there's days where I regret that because I really am very proud of my country, and I'd love to defend it in some way if I can. Uh, we all try to find our own little ways, and I think that E.J. did his. Um, look, he is a very, very confident man. Uh, he is no stranger uh, to being able to have a conversation about what he knows and what he knows very well. But at the end of the day, he's still a Christian. He's a God-fearing man, and he's a uh, pretty awesome dude. So, ladies and gentlemen, do me a favor. I'd love to introduce you to my new friend. Uh, this is a gentleman that y'all guys and y'all know, from, from uh, especially from Naked and Afraid. We're talking about E.J. Snyder, uh, and I hope you guys enjoy You may know EJ uh, from uh, Discovery Channel series Naked and Afraid and Dual Survival. EJ is an extreme survivalist, an adventurer, and retired Army combat vet. Thank you very much for your service on that. Huge fan of that. Got a salute. I love it. He's an expert in leadership, tracking, trapping, building shelter and equipment, primitive weapons, navigation, security, self-reliance, and self-defense. Everybody, welcome to our fun little world of Duffified Live, Mr. EJ Snyder.
2: What's up, everyone? Glad (laughs) to be here. Thank you for having me, and uh, always a pleasure to talk and uh, reach out to all the different folks that are out there from all facets of life, because I'm not just your naked survivalist. I'm into a lot of different things, and inspiring and motivating the world, that's what drives me. That's what I'm about, and when you see me out there having tough days, it's all um, applicable to your life, and uh, so that's kind of really what my mantra is.
1: So what, what, so you, you've got a huge history, man. First off, let's do this. H- how do we get in touch with you? Cause we want people to, I love people to tweet and, and do right. Instagram and Facebook through the show. So why don't you tell us how we can get in touch with you?
2: Well, one of the easiest ways is just go to my website, www.eJ. Kind of like a wiki EJ. We're not a hundred percent yet. It's a working, breathing website. And it, it'll, if you get too close to it, it'll eat you alive. But by the end of the month, it should be up. But right there are all the links to all my social medias from LinkedIn to IMDb to Twitter, Instagram, and my Facebook. But if you're looking for me out there in the Twitterverse or Instagram, it's at EJ Snyder 333, because three is my number, and I got to <laughs> do it three times. But um, for Facebook, go to EJ Skull crusher Snyder, 102,000 Skull maniacs out there. Join the Skull <laughs> nation. You'll love it. Uh, LinkedIn. It's just DJ Snyder. And you can find me on IMDb because like you said, there's a long history to me. People think just because I was naked on TV, that's how things started happening for me. I've been uh, dreaming about TV a long 18 years old, but for me, it officially really started in 2006. So we nice. have got a really cool uh, little TV history thing going on there. Uh, I know there's a lot of Lost fans out there and you might remind uh, remember me Without this beard, as Redfern, the uh, freighter boat mercenary. So, um, yeah, a lot of fun stuff. I'm just, I just love to live life to the fullest. So, I'm into a lot of things. So, again, go to ejsnyder.com. You can link up with any of my social medias there. But uh, we'd love to have you at Snyder 333 Twitter, Instagram, and ejscowencrusherstnyder Facebook. Perfect. Nice
1: job. That was the best one I've had yet, man. You're crushing I it. I
2: appreciate it. I am a professional. <laughs> I uh, am the ultimate new, as seen on TV, pitch If you haven't seen my new commercial what for is Live it? Fire Gear, I am rocking it.
1: What is Live Fire Gear?
2: Uh, live Fire Gear is uh, one of my gear partners. Um, they're basically into emergency and survival gear, and so they asked me to come on and help them try to, you know, get on the map. They're doing well on their own, but um, they asked. There's this really great fire product they sell. It's called the Ring of Fire. It's the, uh, if you go to, uh, live and use the promo code EJ, you'll get not only the ring of fire, but you'll get another wi fire original free plus free shipping. So check them out. The commercial is on my YouTube channel, Jay Snyder, and it's going across. You might even see it on TV. It's like on discovery, ESPN, Nat Geo. So if you're an insomniac one night, you might see me creeping up out of the water <laughs> and storming the beach. And, uh, and get myself out of there with this Live Fire gear. So, you know, on my webpage, there's a, a, a store area where all the products that I'm partnering with, and it's an ever-expanding page because each each partner gets their own tab, and you can find all kinds of great gear for survival, emergency preparedness, my knife I designed, the SXB, and anything else you want to get involved with. As a matter of fact, I have just met, um, met with a body glove, of all things. Nice, I love surfing. The last uh, OR 2017, and they tweeted me and they said, hey, get to our booth. We The, the owner wants to meet you because his family's huge fans. So I showed up there, started doing my thing. There's a lot of yelling going on. I know you find that hard to believe with me. A lot of <laughs> excitement and energy, and people just started coming into the booth, and they were like, hey, what size feet you got? I'm like, of course, big 13-wise, just short of a sasquatch," but. They put those uh, little 5 toed kind of shoes on me, and uh, finally give me a, a inflatable stand-up uh, paddle ball paddle board called the Raptor, and um, we just hung out with these guys all week, and uh, we really bonded uh, really tightly because they they've got a sense of adventure. That's what I'm about, and hell, if I get to go naked afraid again. You know how much issues I have with my feet and these yeah. floors? I'm taking them damn shoes with me, man. I'll that's be out be there working. Your- take you with these shoes <laughs> on.
1: <laughs> that's going to be that's going to be your one item.
2: Yeah,
1: yeah. I will take my knife and those shoes and damn the rest of it. I'll figure it out. <laughs> and nice. So, so I mean, you you spend a tremendous amount. First off, I want to uh, actually I want to go back for a second. Your uh, your infomercial is that the first one you've ever done? Uh, I've done several local ones. I've done a few other commercials. Uh, like I said, I'm
2: like – I just have a knack for uh, staying on talking points, pitching a product, and hitting all the highlights. So for me, it was just to branch over to that, and, and I'm going to do a few more with these guys. It's it's really exciting because we got out there on the ground. And they wanted me to, to, to speak while we were doing this thing, and the scenario was not going to work for that. It was a local uh, – a, a county in the middle of Fort Lauderdale – and the air in the uh, and it was a really cool spot. It was all swampy, had the lake and everything. But the Fort Lauderdale airport was right next door. No way we're talking over those planes. No, so like, no guys man. got with the director like, hey, why don't we? And he, we were on the same page. Like, Why don't we shoot a mini movie, make it full of action, let the action do the speaking. I'll voice over everything because they do a lot of voiceover work. Apparently I got a voice for radio. So (laughs) that's what we did. And it worked out brilliantly. Cool. man. you see the commercial and it's one of those things, my voice, for some reason, I used to be, believe it or not, when I was a teenager, I used to be a great singer. Uh, I was a singer for a band and everything. But when I was in the army, I became a drill sergeant for two years. That's it. And I guess God wanted me to have this grizzled voice. (laughs) And so, you know, you hit the mark when some of your old soldiers are in their house, they're in the kitchen, they hear my voice. Coming across their house and they're like, "What the hell's the sergeant major doing in my it. house?" And it's like they come in the living room and they see my naked butt running across their TV and they're like, "Holy shit, that's my sergeant major! What the what the heck's he doing?" So, and and, and I do a lot of voiceover work for some local businesses here in my in my city. I live in Fayetteville, North Carolina. Oh, cool. And I, yeah, and I was actually ordering my uh, prescription at the CVS, and uh, this lady goes, "Oh, you're the guy." I never seen any of your TV shows, but I heard you on the radio. Yeah, you're him, aren't you? I recognize your voice. I'm like, oh god, please tell me my face really is honestly not a radio face. Please. <laughs> so, so it's uh, been kind of a interesting. Um,
1: you know, things that I do, you know, it's just really cool. Nice, man. I mean, it, it's a fun world. I mean, I, I have an infomercial out there as well. I made it. I, I was the spokesperson for a burger oh. press and it, dude, I mean, they can be one very lucrative too. It's amazing. The, the reach that those things have, because even though it's yeah. a two and a half minute run, you know, it's that voice or those taglines or whatever it was. I remember the right. first one that I did uh, the guy who hired me said, Hey, look, man, you know, here's a script, have fun with it, do your own thing, enjoy it. I got out there, I started doing it. And then he's like, you know, I said, have your own fun and do your own thing before he's like, you know, let's, let's, let's use some of the lines. And, and yeah, we, we yeah. really got to play. It was a lot of fun, but um, so, so, I mean, let, let's go back. I mean, you got a long history, man. I mean, you, you have a, you, you're you're a, you're a decorated soldier. You got a lot underneath your belt. I mean, so let's back up. What, what got you to the point that you wanted to get into the military?
2: Yeah. you know, when I grew up uh, in New Jersey, North Jersey. So I was kind of a poor kid trying to figure out life. My dad wasn't really in my life. The, the little bit when he did come around was on the weekends, hunting, fishing, trapping, camping, doing all that kind of stuff, hiking, uh, tracking. What, and what, that's part where, of, what part of
1: North Jersey was this?
2: Uh, I was in Hackensack area, oh, okay. just outside New York right. City. Got it. My dad had family up in upstate New York, and we'd go out west. We, we He just loved to get out in the woods. and. Me and my kid brother really took for us the, the, the woods, the outdoor environment. We really loved it. So we really look forward to it. So we'd get back home. He and I would find our way down to the local, you know, creek or swamp or marsh and just start playing with stuff we shouldn't have been playing with. And um, it, the wild just called to me it, way back then. And so, you know, I got bullied as a kid. So it became my escape. Problems in my life weren't going to get fixed unless I fixed it myself. I couldn't count on anybody but myself. So I learned how to play every sport I could and only for the fact that I didn't want to get picked last (laughs) and doing that, I I actually got very good at a lot of sports. I became very athletic and then uh, the bullies were still in my life. And so I learned how to box and I was learning wrestling in school. And um, the only thing I, you know, I had my stepdad teach me how to box, but you know, my friends would get karate classes. I couldn't afford them. So what I would do is I when they came home from judo or taekwondo or whatever karate they were doing, which was a gamut of them, teach me what you learned. So I started learning all this karate from my friends, basically letting their parents pay for it, and I learned it. And <laughs> you know, violence is something that happens in this world, and you gotta either a lion or you're a sheep. And so I had to learn to become a lion. And you know, I just didn't have one bully, I had a pack of bullies. And so I picked out one day the, the largest of the bullies of the group decided to mess with me, and that was it. Drew the line of the sand, and I went after him. And then a couple of the other ones tried to jump in, and I had to take care of that. But listen, you know, the whole word spread throughout the sixth grade. Don't mess with Snyder, man. He just messed up <laughs> with the bully gang, and oh. And so I became a, a bully of bullies, I guess. I became a guardian of the week, and it was something in my blood. And, you know, proudly to the stick and say outside, uh, I've never thrown a first punch of my life outside the ring or combat, but I've thrown a hell of a lot of last punches. And so, uh, my life went on. And when I became a teenager, I went to three different high schools. So all my sports scholarships were, you know, no computers back in the eighties. It's all missing. Nobody knows where EJ's at. Right. So my was like, well, what do you want to do? Is so I'm banging nails with my dad as a carpenter. I'm like, well, I'm going to go be an actor. i want to be an actor stuntman. I'm going to, it's a life I want to leave. And she's like, <laughs> Oh, you can't do that. I'm like, why not? You'll starve. I'm like, what? She's like, you, no, you can't do it. I won't allow it. You'll never make it. I'm like, you're my mom. It's my dream. You're supposed to support me. She's like, oh, no, I won't have it. Really? Well, I chased after my other dream, which was the army. And they left for the lake house that weekend. I went to the recruiting station Monday morning. I'm signed up. And um, it was funny. I was that square peg that fit in the round hole and worked for me. And I took to it very easily. Uh, cause you had to be physically fit. There was a physicality to it. It was regimented, which, you know, I'm a Sagittarius completely. So it was adventurous and it, 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 it took care of that. And, um, I didn't plan on staying in that long. I was just going to get some money for college, but it, 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 I loved it so much. I just stayed and I wound up doing the 91 Gulf War. I was one of the youngest platoon sergeants in the 82nd airborne division Wow! at 24 years old. Uh, I was, full of piss and vinegar. I didn't care who got my way. All I knew was if there was a wall in my way, you know, look out because if I can't get over it, can't get under it, around it, I'm going right through Directly it. Directly through, yeah. I Live my life that way every day. So wow. off I went into the military, did re- really well, served my last tour in the Operation Iraqi Freedom in Iraq for 15 months as a, I made the rank of Sergeant Major, which is the highest enlisted rank in the army. Uh, have over well over 40 some odd medals and and decorations Um, been to over 30 different military schools, all the leadership academies you could go to and always finish at the top of my class. So I always felt in my life, you never do nothing half-assed even if it's to scrub the toilet, you raise your hand and you do the best toilet scrubbing you can. And I just lived my life that way. And so towards the end of my uh, uh, military career, uh, while I was in Hawaii, I was stationed there about eight years, uh, I was kind of having some struggles fitting fit back in after the war and had some things going on in my life. And I just, just couldn't figure out how to, you know, kind of get back into things. It was just something in there. And so uh, one of my uh, folks I was seeing, uh, trying to get some help with this, uh, said, hey, have you ever took an acting class? Maybe you can help act some of this stuff out. Maybe you work it out. And I was like, well, I always liked acting in school. I did it for a long time. It's something I wanted to do off. I went to an acting class and let me back up real quick though. Uh, one of the things for survival for me, besides all that outdoor stuff, while I was in the army in 88, 1988, I went to ranger school. That's when I got my first taste of actual formal survival training and I really liked it. it and it was amazing. So after I was a drill sergeant for two years, I became a ranger instructor of Florida for three years. I was the primary survival instructor and primary tracking instructor. And so the Army sent me off to official, you know, our survival school, which is called SEER, Survival Evasion Resistance Escape Course. And I went to a tracking course and I revamped the program, came back, was teaching rangers, you know, future rangers all about survival in the swamps of Florida and, and, and that kind of stuff. And I really took to it. And so I started a self-study to become the best survivalist I could on the planet because we had Y2K coming, all this talk of the end of times, and (laughs) I need to take care of my, you know, I had a wife and two kids. I need to take care of my family. So um, I started doing survival on the side, teaching other civilians and people, just friends, anybody that wanted to learn with me. We just went on a a growth of, of learning about survival. So I was formally teaching it, teaching it informally, and continued to grow throughout my career. So I started doing the acting thing. My first TV show was lost. I did a few local commercials, McDonald's, a bank commercial, some other stuff. Started doing miltech advising as far as uh, military technical support to the show lost. None of it credit, of course. They just, hey, give us a hand and do it. Uh, But I'm cutting my teeth. I'm I'm producing. I'm doing site location stuff. It's crazy. And so – I'm living my dream, something I wanted to do for a long time. I would just take passes. I'd take leave while I was in the army so I didn't violate nothing. I did the History Channel, I did Patton 360. 10 episodes, military commentator. I love Patton. great leader. You know, you know, old uh, blood, uh, guts, what do they call him? Blood and guts? Blood and, and guts, uh, Iron pants, and uh, uh, I, the guy, amazing leader. I, I really, you know, I'm an infantryman. He was a tanker, but he was a warrior. And um, so I got to do that, blessed to do that show. And uh, then I moved from Hawaii. Uh, we moved back here for family reasons. And uh, I became a contract survival instructor with the military, uh, teaching the Army Special Warfare uh, at the Special Warfare Center. I was teaching the Army's uh, uh, future Green Berets and other soldiers how to survive behind enemy lines back in the Sierra course. And I was doing that. I did that for a time of about five years. Wow. But I was still trying to do the acting stuff. And you think a guy that's been in the Army twenty-five years. And I know you got a question, so I'll, I'll cut. <laughs> let me say this point here. I, I get to rolling in. That's like, all right, man. I'm the same way. So you think a guy in the Army 25 years can get on the show Army Wives? 12 auditions later, guess what? I'm not on Army Wives. Go figure. Didn't what happen. What was your question? Sorry.
1: Oh, no, I was going to say, uh, for me, one, I'm, I'm an enormous fan of the military. I'm just going to let you know that right off the bat. I don't know why I never joined. I don't know why I never got in. It wasn't a calling at that time. I mean, in reality, I was 18 years old. I, I didn't know what I believed in at that point. Um, you know, it's not like I had something like you know uh, Iraqi freedom. It's not like I had something like nine eleven to 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 kind of drive me into that. My, what was your, what made you decide between army compared to the other the other four branches that are out there?
2: Everyone thought I should have been a marine. Um, the the thing is, you know, in, in my family, both my grandfathers were were all in the army in World War Two. Uh, I had an uncle in Korea. I had another uncle got drafted into Vietnam. It was not a great experience for him. But after that, nobody ever volunteered. Me and my cousin Jimmy are the only two that ever volunteered. He wound up going to the Marines. Both his boys are in the Marines now. I went in the Army. And the reason I went in the Army was I remember those videos. Yeah, And it was 1984. And guess what movie was out there that was so influential on young men? Rambo, baby Rambo. Absolutely.
1: (laughs) Rambo, those Green Berets.
2: They're Seriously. real bad. Dude, I remember the
1: I remember the camouflage on the fleet. I don't know I, that commercial is still in my brain, and I don't know what it was. Whether it was that yeah. that the guy who's coming out of the water or whatever yeah. it was, it was and I was always like, man, that's like guys like a fucking badass. Yeah. So it's like just like uh, uh, David
2: Crusoe says, those Green Berets, they're real badasses, and I was like, yes. <laughs> and so I went there and I scored really high on the test, and they're like, you know, you can be this. Nuclear missile repair guy, we can get you into computers, you can do all this stuff. I'm like, who joins the army to not be a soldier? I want right. to be those guys. Show me those videos of those guys jumping out of the planes again, those rangers. That's what I want to do. I want all of it. And sure. and so, you know, I that's what I that's all I knew. I, I want to be a warrior. I knew it was in my blood, and I wasn't gonna take no for an answer.
1: So, I mean, as a kid growing up prior to all of this, you were pretty much a leader. I mean, once you got to that point where you said you had that kind of bully moment, you've now become a leader. What What is that like going in? At, I mean, you're, you're a leader for the last couple of years. You know, you're doing yeah. everything you're doing. What is that like getting into that situation? I mean, what is what is boot camp? I mean, I know it's a long time ago. What yeah. was that like?
2: For me, it was a it was a survival situation itself because those are the old days. We had the Vietnam vets still training us. And wow. You know, um, for me, being a, a lion and in, in, in leading myself was, as a kid, you know, it, it, I figured out if I could control my situation as best as possible, set the conditions to where this bullying, none of this stuff will ever happen to me again. And I moved a lot as a kid. But I needed to become very good at, um, you know, befriending others, even though I was, a, you know, I was kind of a skinny kid. You know, I was got tall, but I was really skinny. And it wasn't until uh, like junior year uh, when I was playing football, I really, you know, I was, all of a sudden I'm lifting weights. I'm 245 now, 6'3". Um, I just felt it was a way for me. If I just took charge, I knew nobody else was going to, you know, get in my way. I was, I would control that situation. And I felt, you know, it was a way of a safety net for me. I spent a lot of years as a camp counselor at the YMCA and, and, and as a lifeguard. So, I had a, a knack for in myself. I always wanted to be that guy. When you looked for, I wanted to be that guy that when trouble came, you looked to me and it was, there was a calming effect. I never understood why that was in my DNA. Probably God put it there. Um, but it was always something I knew was there. And so when I went in the army in basic training, you know, <laughs> you're not the big guy anymore. Everybody yeah. wants to cut you down. No, you're what? 245? We can't have that around here. You're getting lettuce, and maybe on Sundays we might let you have a biscuit. Wow. And, and so they cut my meals back, and they're running me. When I go from that, I, I lost like 50-something pounds in that, that school. I mean, I got cut down. I'll see. I actually, I was running a lot before I went in, so I, I was down to about, I think I went in at like 230, 229. I came out of there like 176 or something. I mean, they're a just, fucking machine. They just, yeah. But, I mean, I was just, I could run all day. Yeah. You know, good push-ups and stuff, but I was just lean and just look like a soldier, look like a, you know, what they wanted you to. And so, um, you know, as I went through the military, you know, I, I took to fighting. I love boxing. I loved just I loved it. When like, I get in a flight boy, it was just something that all of a sudden would get in me. It was that that fighter instinct. Um, but I I, I would master running. I, I was literally running five minute and fifteen second miles. For 10 miles. I mean, ran like the wind and loved it. But once I mastered it, I got bored with it. I was like, well, what's next? So then I started doing these iron mics that we had. They were like obstacle endurance type races. Much like um, Spartans and stuff now, but they were a little different military type stakes. Mastered that. Started getting a little bulkier, but still could run, you know. And then uh, when I got into my, uh, I was like 29 or 30, I got into bodybuilding. I, I became... You know, I had twenty-inch arms. I was just really cut up. You know, to have that as a drill sergeant—sure, six-foot-three terminator dude comes oh, yeah. walking in.
1: Life's not good for you. And <laughs> this kid from 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 from, from Boise, Idaho, is like, "What the fuck did I do?"
2: Yeah, that's like, look at this dude. And just they wet themselves as soon as I walked in the into the into the room. You and know? then, so, then oh, the voice
1: God. comes out. Yeah,
2: yeah, it's like, who's this guy? Oh, <laughs> ah, come here, let me crush his skull. You know, it's like. I wanted to get out about 10 years in to go. I got a, a WCW was recruiting me to come out and be a pro wrestler. Nice. And wrestling something I was into as a kid. And I thought, oh, yeah, this is great. And my wife and I sat down with a couple of buddies that were actually in the business and, and heard about the back, behind the scenes stuff you never hear about and decided to stay in the, in the Army as a career, had kid coming, didn't want to live that carnival life. It just wasn't good. So uh, I rolled on. So here I got out of the Army, and I was teaching survival back at the Special Warfare Center, uh, teaching on the side as a civilian. I I was into the show Survivor, and I applied probably 10 or 12 times, and they finally called me. I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, going to Survivor. I was a finals on Survivor for Season 21, and they cut me at the last minute because Jimmy Johnson, the, the football coach from Dallas Cowboys, he was a huge Survivor fan. Two years earlier, he had applied. They wanted him, but he he had a medical condition. They found he had something wrong with his heart. Changed his life. Literally, he he stopped drinking, stopped smoking, started exercising, saved his life. So he cleared his medicals of all my luck. A New York Giants fan gets replaced by the Dallas Cowboy coach.
1: (laughs) The only thing that can be worse than that is if you're from Philly. So
2: yeah, in Philly, that doesn't yeah. Well, you guys got your own issues. I always you yeah, know, I'm always on your sky side to win one as long so as am I. As long as our as long as we're sucking really really bad. Yeah, but, of course. But um, so, so so that hit me, and then I didn't get picked, but my name started floating around very quickly through all these other casting things, and so right. I started getting cast for. I did a show pilot called The Sheriff. I did Can You Survive a Horror Movie for the Chiller Network. Um, they just started getting me cash for all these things. Uh, big brother calls. Well, actually discovery channel found me and they came out and had recruited me to try out for the show. Dual. Replacing one of the original hosts. Hold on. Uh, what was the name of the dual? What dual survival?
1: Okay. Got it.
2: So it's, they, they just had two seasons of duel. One of the hosts got into some, um, some issues with, with, with some trouble with some things that were said and they were replacing them. um, and so they called me and another guy, Joe Ted, I had other people out to try out. Um, they loved me. The production wanted me, knew I was the guy, knew survival, knew a ton of it, had, had the military, you know, resume. But Discovery loved this other guy, Joe, and they picked him over me. They said, we'll call you. So Big Brother calls me that summer. I still hadn't heard from uh, Discovery I hung up on them three times. Nothing I want to do with this show because it's like putting G.I. Joe in the dollhouse for Ken and Barbie. She's sure. going to get broke. Right. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> me. So I'm like, All right, I'll like, come try out. And I went out there and did everything I could to get thrown out of there. And the more I did worse, they loved it. So yeah,
1: they want drama, uh, man.
2: Yeah. I made the cast and then they replaced me at the last minute again. And I'm like, what's wrong with me? I keep getting replaced. And so they cast me for a show called 72 Hours. Uh, it was an adventure survival race on TNT. I went to the Fijian jungle episode seven. You meet your partners on the starting line. So there's three teams of three strangers. I had two people who should have never left their living room. Wow. Dragged you through the jungle looking for a briefcase of a hundred grand. Uh, needless to say, we never found the briefcase, but it was a great show. And as soon as I'm sitting in the hotel, I get called up from Discovery and say, Hey, we got a really great new survival show we're going to do. It's a great concept. We need to shoot a pilot you've got the credentials. We want you. I'm like, great, let's do it. Yeah. So
1: I'll pack my bags now.
2: Yeah. So every (laughs) two weeks as we're going there and we're having our meetings and they're like, there's like another piece of clothing or equipment disappearing. There goes the backpack. Oh, there goes your hat. There goes your shirt. Uh, here, give us your shoes. Let's take your pants. You're in your underwear. I'm like, what's going on here? And then we get to right before like December, they fly me out to meet with, a bunch of women and try out and figure out who's going to be the partner. And, and so I, I do these crazy tests. I meet these four different ladies and they finally say, Hey, we're golden. You're going in January. Here's a contract. And I'm reading the contract. It's got the title naked and afraid in there. And I'm like, that's a stupid title, but okay, whatever. And then I say I'm buck naked. I got to explain this to the wife. Yeah. All of a sudden, it's like, Yeah. I'm going to go to this crazy adventure with a strange woman. I don't even know. And for those of you who don't know the show, it's Naked Afraid. It's 21 days. You're supposed to be outdoor people or survivalists. You get one item each. No clothes, no food, no nothing. All
1: right, boys and girls, it's a very simple process. There's this really cool thing that you all are going to go to, and it's called your computer, your phone, wherever you want to do You can go to a browser if you'd like to. I, however, sometimes just hop right into Google, and I can just type in Nogginware, and they're going to show up. But if you don't have that Google thing that sometimes it gets lost on your phone, I get it. But you can go to the website, which is NogginWear.com. NogginWear.com are my buddies up there in New England. Scott and the boys make amazing hats. You guys know I love a hat. I'm no stranger to them. They've got a three-tier system that you can buy from. Buy an individual hat for 25 bucks if you want. Not going to charge a shipping. Quality hats. They've got really cool stuff like the pineapple for hospitality. They've got a shamrock they did for St. Patrick's Day you have got an Old Glory, which is still one of my favorites at my pop wears all the time. Um, but go over to Nogginware.com. Tell them that I sent you. Sign up for the subscription. Three months or six months. You do as you please. Uh, you're going to get a fancy little gift inside the package as well. It's going to show up every single month ready for you to sport a new hat. Get them hung on your wall if that's what you like to do just like me. Uh, Nogginware.com. Chef Brideoff is the code. 10% off is what you're going to get. And they're a the sponsor for our show. What does your wife say? I mean, you're, you're hey, honey, I'm, I'm going to go live in the jungle for 21 days, completely naked yeah. with another woman. How does that conversation yeah. go down?
2: Well, it, she's reading the contract, and I don't even have a chance to really, you know, and I'm just like, ah, they're probably just kidding. It's probably a bunch of baloney. You know, you know these guys are Hollywood. And she well, it says naked. I'm like, well, we don't know because it's a pilot, so we're, we don't know. They really don't know what they're doing. They're like, well, if it happens, you know, look, it's, it's just like this. I'm a survivalist. I'm a professional. I'm out there to do a challenge. It's not a, this is just the first layer of shelter. You take this away. It's a physical layer of shelter. It's also a psychological layer of shelter. All your inequities are exposed. All your insecurities come out very easy when you take that stuff away. And I said, I'm just going to approach this. That's another survival tool for me. That's all it is. And, and, you I respect my wife and we, we, we were comfortable where we were at. Sure. And uh, You know, it's like everyone talks about going out with just a knife. Well, I get to do it naked in Africa. That sounds like (laughs) cool to me. And let's just see what we can do because I was very comfortable with gears of Survivors, but I never, you know, I knew the permit, but it wasn't like my strength. And initially, like I said, we didn't know what we're doing. We're filming a pilot. It was like, you know, I'm a trash master. I find trash. I'm going to, that's my, I'm a MacGyver. I'm going to figure out how to do stuff with it. So I was going in and that was one of my questions. Hey, that's a strength of mine. And they're like, yeah, you'll be able to do it. I get on the ground. I find a plastic bottle with cigarette butts in it. And they're like, uh, no, we're taking that away. Oh, Sorry. man. I'm like, dude, there's all kinds of great stuff I can do with this. I've got a water container. I've got cigarette take care of wounds. It's like, but, you know, they, they we were trying to film something very crazy. And so. I remember after the fifteenth time, I threw my clothes in the back of the Land rubber because we had to keep filming it because we had to make sure we had it. Get everything right. So I meet my partner. We get this crappy map that looks like a kindergarten drew it. The producer looks over my so shoulder. He goes, "Oh wait, 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 wait! Give me that." He takes his his uh, his uh, sharpie and he draws an X on the map. It wasn't even on the map yet. He says, "That's your extraction point. Well, you got to be there in twenty one days." I'm like, "Okay, so what do we do now?" Well, go do your survival stuff. We'll just follow you. Come on, Kelly. Let's go find what we're gonna do. And so, you know, uh, it was a, a very crazy situation to be thrown into the wild with nothing. It really humbled me. Um, I became a better survivalist because of it. And was there
1: change, man? I mean, was there was there a point where where you know? I mean, you've look. It, it's no doubt you've got the accolades to be able to do this, whether whether you're naked or not. You've got the accolades to be able to do this. The, the The reality of you ever being put into that situation is is slim or none. But but I mean, were you? I mean, you're a confident dude. I mean, it's just that that simple. Was there ever a point where you were like, "What the fuck did I get myself into?" I mean, especially even with your. I mean, your first co host, the first person that you were on with. You know, I mean, what is that like?
2: First, can from Alaska. We're in the dry season, 115 degrees. Normally. In that kind of situation you're gonna lay low during the day, but we're filming a show. Yeah. Things don't work so well at night. Night cameras suck. Nobody wants to look through a green eyeball all the whole time. So you gotta you gotta you gotta, you gotta make things happen. So so I went there, I'm a military guy. We're gonna do, you know, teamwork to get through it and try to really it was important to me. But, you know, Kelly came out there and we had our struggles in the beginning. I, I think she was on a different page and had a different vision of what was going on out there and nothing was clear to us. It's nobody's fault. It was just, we're out there trying to do this on the fly. Right. No one, even the producers were like, and you know, eventually after about a week, we kind of started figuring it out and we got in our groove, everybody, the crew, how they had to operate, operate around us, how we were doing things. And man, when we were done, I mean, I thought I was going out there to do something cool, What I right. didn't realize was at that point in my life, I, you know, I was struggling with some things, and God brought me out there to humble. Me. And you know, I got beat down. I almost died. I had this infection in my foot. It was crazy, and I just wasn't going to give up. My right. attitude was, "I'll cut this foot off before I quit." Period. Sure. And, and you know, we 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 managed to make it work. We got on the same page, and we walked up that mountain to the extraction point together didn't see coming was the millions of people that were going to get inspired by watching us out there. Right. To them, it made sense to apply to their life, whether it was fighting a life threatening illness, getting bullied, substance abuse, getting off the couch. I mean, I was 47 at the time out there. Wow. And these guys are like, hey, I see you out there doing that stuff. I've got no reason why I'm sitting on the couch and I'm getting fat. I'm going to go to the gym. Hey, and I've lost 25 pounds, by the way. I never saw that coming. Yeah. And, and being allowed to pray on uh, and discovery, showing those prayers and and all that stuff. um, It just sparked a demograph across a a global level, not just in the U S but once it started going across the globe, my social media would start springing up like crazy. Oh, all these people from Brazil, all of a sudden all these people from India, Australia. And it's like, Oh, (laughs) I mean, and so for me, You know, and I'm I'm a spiritual Christian, so I hear God's voice loudest in the wild, not amongst all these four walls or any of this stuff. And so it just made clear my purpose that I've been preparing for my entire life and been living is helping others, being a leader in the community, in my situations, teaching survival, being a motivator and an inspiration to many other people to get through the tough challenges of their life, whether you're out there surviving naked in Africa or you're going on the subway to sure. go to work to abusive boss. And yeah. it made sense to me. So I was blessed to get asked seven months later when they said, we had three people quit the Amazon. All the locals say nobody can do it. I'm losing millions of dollars. I'm like, yeah,
1: I can do that shit. And they're like, <laughs> "Now we need you six days. Are you, are, uh, you, are you, are you, I mean, are you? do you get paid to do this? I mean, does, does naked and afraid yeah. pay you other than, I mean, these are, these are, you know, these are questions that when I was telling people that I was going to interview you, yeah. I had a series a bunch of people had a bunch of questions. Perfect. Let's answer these questions. So, so I mean, the first one is, do you get paid? And I want to come back to the spirituality because that's very important because I yeah. think that that's a huge part of, of the driving force that a lot of people don't get. What? Right. So, I mean, is it like, are you getting like a scale? You don't have to tell me how much, I mean, but, but I mean, well, do you, you do get paid you get
2: a in while you're out there. Um, and you do 21 days. Now it's kind of prorated if you don't make it. Okay. From what I understand, um, but you're basically going to make you're making um, okay money. Sure. I mean, it's if not survivor. You're not going to make a million dollars. You're not going to make a hundred <laughs> grand when you get to the end. Right. You make a couple months' paycheck worth of stuff. In some cases, maybe three times for a normal person. But um, it was enough for two months' worth of pay for me. Okay. But for me, it really wasn't about the pay. Oh, the pay was nice because I got bills. I got two kids in college, but it was about that challenge. Yeah. Pushing your limit, seeing if there is a limit, and how much better you can become. It became so addicting to me. When he asked me to go again, I said, of course I'll go again. You know, I came out of that last place a changed, man. I mean, I literally saw God's face. His hand smacked me, and you know, I wasn't going to miss out on another opportunity to experience something cool like that again. Uh, I didn't know it was going to be in the magic of the Amazon and Mother Nature do it this time. But, right, um, you know, that, to, to go to that magical place, to be asked to go in there and, and get a partner like Laura Zara to help me do it. And I help her. I mean, we were equally gifted survivalists to be out there together when three people quit. To take that challenge on, it was really maddening. We had ten thousand mosquitoes per square foot, and um, we got a little bit more money for the second time around, but it wasn't that much. But right. not, not to get ate alive by those mosquitoes like we were, it was crazy. But um, the the place was so magical. Uh, it's absolutely the most fascinating place I've ever been to in my life, and I've been in a lot of corners of this globe.
1: And right. uh, amazing place. What so when you're when you're in that? I mean, to to go through the first round. Where where was your I mean, was there a breaking point where you're like, what the hell am I doing? I mean, and, and look, I, I did reality. I, I've been involved in it and I've been involved right. in first seasons. I've been involved right. in the first, second, third episodes. So right. so I understand where it's a change automatically. Hey, this is our concept for a show. Wait, hold on for a second. Give me your pants. You know, I, I mean, so I, I, I get that part of it. Where was I mean, was there a breaking point during that first one that you did where you were like, this is just crazy, man?
2: Not, not for me because surrenders not arranged your word. I was asked to do a mission. I've never ever not completed a mission in my life, and so I was going to get to that extraction point. Like I said, no, 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 no. I, I literally had to was, cut
1: your foot off, right?
2: I was literally heating my knife up to get orange red like this to cauterize my foot and clear the infection out. Right when that a biblical rainstorm blew in, and God said, "Not today." And the producer was like, "Hold up a minute, mate. Let's." uh We're going to film it. We're just going to take a minute. (laughs) Start over again, please. uh, Let me uh, finish my tea and we'll get to this. But uh, hold on. And that rain came in and just shut the whole thing down. But that's where my mentality was. I was going to do whatever it took to get out of there. It's a survival situation. I stayed in my bubble. I never thought otherwise. It's very 100%. People ask all the time, is it real? It's 100% real. The camera crews are there. You get to a dangerous point of of a safety hazard or or health situation they can step in in this case they stepped in because my foot was going uh, septic and they had a Bush doctor come in and clear it out and it was in really bad shape and um, you know it was a matter of uh, the doctor says why is it how is this man not dead he should have been dead a week ago if not ten days ago and then my producer right of grill's old producer yeah well it's like this mate <laughs> yeah. god doesn't want him and the devil's a scan of him and we have a tv show to do so finish here go, hurry up let's yep. get his foot let's get on with it and so there were, we go it's off was so there a couple oh i'm sorry go ahead. yeah I'll put my foot up and off i go And and so for me quitting is just not there right. for me sure people ask, what is that? It's, 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 it's an, it's a mindset. Everything in life is a mindset. You have to have a a positive attitude, a focus on, on goals, where you're going, a heart of a lion, an iron will, and you can get through anything. Yeah. And you just got to say, not today. You know, I'll die, but it's not today. Yeah. Period. It's, it's, I just don't know how to say no, you know, quit, tap. I just don't know where that point is. Right.
1: Was, I mean, 21 days, you guys are sitting around, people are standing around you guys, and there's only, what, two camera guys there and a producer? Um,
2: camera guy, sound guy, assistant camera guy comes in and out. Then you have a producer. The first time, we had a little bit more because we were just trying to figure it out. Sure. No more than six on set. Uh, but most times, it's it's just about three people. And I mean, is there... A and, and, guy and a medic off-site, but... Right.
1: Close. I mean, and they're not interacting with you in any way whatsoever.
2: Other than, Hey, good morning. You know, got to set up everything, get these mics on that kind of stuff. Um, and it's a matter of what do you guys, what's your plan today? So right. they know how to film it. What, sure. You know, what do we got to do? Where are we going? And you just kind of, you have this room doing, so they may, they may pull you aside and start asking you some questions you know, for interviews at different points of the day, but for the most part, it's, it's 90%. You're, you're in your zone. You're, you're, you're doing your thing. Right. And that's the way I like it. I don't like stopping. I don't like people getting in my way. Cause I'm very systematic. I have a plan.
1: Sure, I, I like to execute it. I don't like people getting in the way of it. So but, was there ever a point where they were sitting there and they're like, dude, you, you know, you, you can't do that. I mean, you're climbing the side of a mountain or you're, you're, you're walking through, you know, a piranha infested, whatever it is. I mean, was there a point where they were like, you can't do that? Or were you just on Uh your own to reality? Think as a survivalist and as a trained machine, this is what I'm going to do.
2: Other episodes. I I can't speak for, I can only speak for what I went through. And for me, you know, I think they trusted enough in my skill set credentials To make the sound decisions, weigh risk reward. They see me in action, and they knew that I would always err on the side of what made sense and what had to be done. And didn't particularly worry about where my steps went because my steps were already laid. I apply a military mindset into my survival strategy, which is I'm turned on twenty four seven. I'm looking high, low, left, right, sensing snakes, knowing where they where they hide. The best way to avoid snakes or things like that is know where they live. Right. Avoid those areas and take precautions. And it's instinctual in me, and so I move with such a flow that most people are like, can hardly keep up because I'm moving with such a way that
1: become one. You know, the Amazon opened up that primal side of me unbelievably. Yeah, that's what I, w- I want to hear about that as well because I can't imagine, dude. I mean, yeah. look, look, you're 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 talking about a, a situation that that you may have been trained to do all of this, but but it comes down to the fact that you are literally you've got no clothes on. You have, nope. you know, you've, you brought your knife, right? Yep. And then I had
2: designed a knife cause my knife broke in Africa. Okay. And, um, <clears throat> I had designed one actually at the time of Amazon, they didn't have that knife yet. I did bring it into the Columbia XL episode with me. Uh, but I had a really kick butt fire starter, uh, for the Amazon. Uh, and my partner, I knew who made her knife. So I knew her knife,
1: you know, what was going to be really razor sharp and really good. Okay. So, now, do you I, guys have? Do you guys have a conversation prior to like, hey, she's going to bring this, or is it really just a guess?
2: Not really. I okay. kind of, you know, I knew at the end of the first season, I was asked to, um, to uh, rate the other five guys based on skill set and what I saw, uh, and then the women, all okay. six. And so I ranked everybody as I felt their what I saw and what I knew. And the top one I put on that list was Laura Zara. Okay. And I think she's the most badass, capable female survivalist on the planet. And wow. she, I think, is on the top of the pile because I just, I know what's in her heart, mind, and her skill set. And I just knew, I, I was in the, I'm in the knife community as well. And so I knew her knife designer was a guy named Abe Elias. And Abe makes surgically sharpened blades. I mean, they're just, there's no other word for it, but surgical. They just, it's just killer. And uh, so, so when I got there, you know, I had been very militant my first time through, and I was like, I'm going to, I've got to adjust. And it wasn't, you know, it was really partnering with Laura that helped me understand another side of me that was inside me. And I just kind of buried through the military years was that Native American that I love um, studying indigenous people and ancestors, you know, ancient people and how they sure. did things and technology and how they survived. Because if you study that, you know, we're not reinventing the wheel here. They figured exactly. it out. Yeah. So I, I have a, a very, uh, it's a very big interest of me to, to keep learning that. And so when I got to the Amazon, there was just something about that place that opened this beast up in me. And I always said to survive the wild, you must become wild and so to become instinctual to feel the things moving around you and be part of that it is a survival instinct that you have to pick up and adapt because it, it will save your life it literally will save your life because was it
1: wild- Was it instantaneous that that happened or was it three days in, four days in? I mean, is does hunger and and no water and constant rain bring you to that point? Or was it something that I mean, look, you're trained, dude. It's that simple. You're trained to do this. But is it something that takes a couple of days to get into? Or were you were you literally dropped off? You now you're naked and you knew what you were going to do. I could feel it, the pull, but
2: I was fighting it. Right. For, it took about a week because I was fighting it and I was like, what is this? This is something's wrestling with me, something inside me. It was an internal struggle for me that I didn't allow anyone else to know about, but it was going on. And I was like, what is going on here? And, and then I had to remember, I reminded myself, it's like something's happening to evolve and I got to go with it. I got to let it happen. And when I did it, just things just really started to flow because normally it takes about three days when you get on the ground to kind of feel things out, start feeling, getting attuned with things. In the military, we call it sills. Um, you know, you want to stop, look, smell, and 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 hear, and right. and get attuned to the things around you, and you still yourself, and start programming your getting your body programmed to it. But it takes a few days, especially in a foreign place, to really learn it and understand it. But um, it did get a hold of me. And then when I let go and let that happen, um, things got a lot easier right. for us as we went. And it wasn't never easy, but it just was. I stopped fighting it. Um, I am under the um, the theory that Mother Nature makes up some rules. Why shouldn't I make my own? You know, there are really no rules in survival. Right. There are protocols and there's some techniques, but guess what? None of them got in the book until it was sure. trial and error. Somebody. Right. And they fell until they got it right. So, you know, if it works and you live, then there's nothing wrong with it. You know, it's, there's certain protocols. You have to be aware of your surroundings. I mean, there was a, uh, uh there was a, uh, episode of dual survival. My partner just got over excited and he bites into this raw fish, fresh fish we just caught out of the river. Um, And you know, saltwater fish is what you should you know eat sushi. Saltwater bacteria can't grow there. You you know, it's safety. Most sea creatures know what you're eating uh, raw. However, there are several freshwater fish that you can eat raw. You know that if the conditions are right, that means you have to understand the water and the environment where you're at. That there's no high risk of disease. Um, If the water is super cold bacteria does not grow well in, in cold right. water it's moving um you, you don't do it it's not recommended and i tell people all the time my students don't you don't eat raw f- freshwater fish right however if you're pushed for do or die and you you've got to take a bite you know i hate sushi so trust me it was kind of a he did it and i was like well you're not gonna i'm gonna give me give me a piece of that too but um you know none, neither one of us got sick over it and, and you know Our whole season of dual survival was about, and we can get into this a little later, was push your back up against the wall, do or die. What would you do to make it out alive? That was, it was supposed to be that kind of a season where we were asked those difficult questions just how far will you take it to get out alive? Um, And so being out there, it just, um, it really um, enlightened me to that other side of me. And then that way, when I went to Columbia for the 40 days, man, I was. I was in beast mode, or <laughs> ogre, as they like to say. And I was out there, and I was going to dominate. I had already survived. I had thrived in the Amazon with my partner, Laura. And, you know, me and Kelly survived Africa. We, we we thrived in the Amazon, me and Laura. So now it was Jeff and I's turn to get out there, and we were going to dominate the environment. Two alpha males, just beast moding, getting out there, getting after it. I didn't know if I'd ever get to go back out again. So I really wanted to use every waking moment to grow and learn and become better. And I didn't want to make mother nature my bitch. I just wanted to, all the creatures in the jungle and Columbia to know I was there. Right. And if you come around me, it's going to be a bad day for you period. And you know, the legend was there. And so you better understand for, for if a your lo- poop comes into my camp, I'm going to make a, a coat out of you. <laughs>
1: So, so, I mean, for, for each one of the shows that you were doing, whether it was Naked and Afraid, Dual Survivor, whatever, how much research are you doing prior to getting out there? I mean, are you studying bugs? Are you studying plants? Are you studying the indigenous animals? I mean, w- where are you with that? Or are you just going, fuck it, I got this covered? First point is basically that. My survival strategy,
2: just like I was in the military, go anywhere in the world. In a minute's notice, just take my knife. To be able to go anywhere, just a knife is such a confidence builder. I didn't have that sure. before. The first time I went out, but I have it now. And so you can call me right now. I'll get on a plane tomorrow. I'll go wherever you want me to. Blindfold me, like dude, you're screwed. Drop me off. I'll figure it out based on what I know with my survival skill set, who I am, and all that stuff. Um, that being said, I always like to hedge my bets. If I get any, if I get only six hours, you better believe. I'm on this thing, I'm on the computer, I've got my manuals, I always travel with, I'm always studying, I'm always training, so I'm always ready. If I'm going to a certain environment, there are certain principles that apply to certain jungles that apply to other jungles across the world. Um, But if it's a local area, I start studying plants, I get familiar with the wildlife, and I actually, like I said earlier, I start looking for indigenous people and and ancient people of that area. study them. What did they do? It literally, I didn't have a lot of time to go to the Amazon. I had six days, which meant I had to get all my affairs Dude. together. Uh, you know, I, I had to get, get that together. But I did go right away to the ancient Amazonians and start studying what they were doing. And we literally used their technique for drinking water, which was cut a water read out of the out of the river, um, make an arrow in it so you know which way the water was going through the the, uh, the now your straw. Um, and the reason you do that is because it, you, once you start one way, that's the way it has to go. It's like a filter. Um, and then after you drink about a cup of water, there's a tree called the Ubo's tree. And when you take the outer bark off of it and you scrape the inner bark, it actually literally looks like bacon. So you know what you're looking at. Right. And you make these little baking, bacon shaves, shavings and you put them in your hand about an ounce worth, get it moist, Put spit on it, whatever, and you you know, kind of smash it down there. And then you drink that ounce of Ubo's behind you and it nullifies all the pathogens in case wow. there's anything bad in there. It literally will heal your body and you can put it on cuts and it will take care of cuts. It's really, that was a magical place, but I thought it was so cool to be drinking water the way people have
1: been doing it for thousands of years before us. Yeah, that's awesome. I love the idea. I mean, I love that idea. That's, you're exactly right. We're not recreating, we're not recreating, you know, the survivor world. I mean, what you're doing is is literally you're taking what they learned years ago. Now, look, we may we may have a a filtration system you can buy at REI, but guess what? You know, if you're stuck in the middle of the Amazon, you don't have anything to drink with. To know that is something that's massive. That that's awesome. And was was there? Is there a death clause in your contract?
2: Um, You sign away some things and waiver, but I don't remember all that was in. I didn't really care. I was heading out there. I've got some insurances. I don't know if they would uh, like (laughs) how I maybe found my demise, but, um, you know, I also consult for the show and, and help screen people oh, cool. on casting these days. Nice. And, uh, my goal is to make sure nobody ever goes out there and to have someone get seriously injured. We've had people get very sick.
1: Yeah. big time. Uh,
2: some people have gotten seriously injured. I mean, Charlie Frattini, the last, uh, XL and, uh, the Amazon you know, tore his knee up terribly. We've had several people get dengue fever and some other things um, flesh eating bacterias. We had a producer that my producer, Steve, uh, got bit by a fertile ants in Costa Rica on the first season no. and managed to live and keep his foot. But, you know, uh, I'm an adventurous soul and, you know, nothing worth living is, is, is not, you know, for me, it's, you got to take a little risk if you want to live a little. And sure. for me, it's not, you know, for me, it's, it's about, uh, you know, not how many breaths you take, but how many times life takes your breath away. You know, right. And right. people tell me all the time, you know, I'm 51. And I was like,
1: you're taking years off your life. And I'm like, oh, no, I'm I add time. Like every, time I go, every time I go out. So is there is there is there a psychological evaluation prior to
2: getting on? Yes, they do all those things, although I know some people are going to say right now, well, we've seen some of those people out there and there's no way they pass the psych about. Well, we all take them. We all meet with a psychiatrist. There's a several series of things that you have to go through gates before you get out there. Okay. And the thing is, no one really knows how a person's going to act. They don't know what hidden demons are inside this person that they've been guarding are going to come out when you're under full stress. You know, I tell people all the time, you can audition all you want. You can pretend to be whoever you want. But after about three to four days, even five days, it all comes the real you is going to show up. Yeah. And that's who we got to deal with. And so I try to make it my best uh, ability is to figure out, are they smart enough and healthy enough and have some skills to be a good team player and be a good partner to, to be OK out there for somebody?
1: What was what was the time frame between your first show and going into uh, uh, going into the Amazon? So it was, Uh, it was Africa then Amazon. What's that? Six months, seven months, seven months. And you were given six days. They were like, Hey, we need you six days, six days. So was there, I mean, was there, did they fast track you through? I mean, is that something where they were
2: I was already cleared from the first one? So, you know, that stuff stays in place. And, and so we signed the contracts, we filled out some other uh, familiar forms. Um, and then, uh, we went on, we didn't have to do I mean, I did a quick. Uh, I got a quick, uh, you know, an updated quick. You know, I my I just had to had my uh, physical done. Right. So I had to get some inoculations done very quickly. Um, but other
1: than that, you know, it was pretty much game on. Pretty. You much know, for free, the time free. I said go. Um, what are your What are your thoughts about the amateur version of it? With the guests, the fans that, that end up on there because I know they're doing a new series now, which is like that, you know, I mean, I watched one the other day. It was a housewife from, you know, Idaho and it was a, I don't know, a racquetball player from South Philadelphia. I mean, you know, and they were just, I mean, fan
2: episodes are fine for people to get a taste because it really, I think um, it really solidifies the fact that you need to know what you're doing. Yeah. You cannot just go out there and wing this. You might be able to wait out 21 days. It'll be really boring TV. 40 days, there's no way you can just wait it out. And so with that being said, um, I think the fan episodes, you know, know—they—they—they they, they, people get out there. We don't want to see them tap so quickly. Uh, they're doing two weeks. Um, but I think there is a, uh, you know, there is a value to that. And it shows to people out there that, You know, just because you're a super fan, this is not the show that we just come out and just, hey, I'm a super fan. I've watched every episode. I know what's going on. Right. Yeah, you can't just have camp one weekend. I mean, this is no joke. It's for real. You don't know what you're doing. You're going to really make it very unfair for your partner, let alone yourself. And you're not going to, you know, you're only going to go so far. It it really isn't a joke. And, And a lot of it's tough enough. Leaving the United States, if you've never left this country before, and going to a foreign place that you've never seen in your life, it, it can be very shocking to somebody mentally that's like, wow, I'm in the middle of the desert or the Amazon. And it, and that weight just hits them like a ton of bricks. And, you know, it, it, it really tests the mental uh, on a lot of levels. Survival is, is a majority about
1: mental stuff. Wow. What is, wh- which was what was the one that you think really tested you the most? I mean, was it dual survivor? Was it naked and afraid? I mean, which one was the one where you were like, you know, Tanzania. Tanzania. For sure. Really. first
2: one, because we, there's nothing to gauge it off. Of. Sure. Even our first XL there was just no way to gauge how things were going to shake out. So when you're the trendsetter, the, the setting, the bar, You know, you set a bar so high, it's hard for people to maybe even measure up sometimes, or you set it to a point wherever it's at. But that first one was very difficult because I'd never been to Africa before of all my adventures. And it was extremely hot by day, 115 degrees. I had a very terrible foreign infection that started on day two. And we were at the 5,200 foot mark. So we had Mount Kilimanjaro to our northeast, which every night blew down an icy peak coldness on us which the temperatures were dropping to the 40s and after the wind chill would hit us would be like in the upper 30s jesus and it, it was it was uh trying and there wasn't a lot to eat out there and trying to move mobility was 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 hampered with the thorns and the bare feet sure the worst thing of it um dual survival was a blast because we got to show people how to get out of tough situations really showcase some skills to tear a new buggy up and survive, I mean, that was, and I was out there with one of my best buddies, Jeff Zauk.
1: That's cool, man.
2: It was a great adventure. Um, and, and to survive a real-world survival situation, Turkish coup that happened while we were at the airport, um, you know, that was just like, yeah, who else gets <laughs> to do that, right? Um, but the Naked Afraid is such a real challenge. It tests you on a mental level, a physical level, a skill level, an emotional level. psychological level it just brings everything to bear on a person to just see how far you can push it i'm ready for them to do a 60 day naked afraid bring out all the legends all the all-stars put us all out there and let's see who's really got you know got the chops i mean i'm interested in the show alone um and we like to take that challenge because yeah get gear you know i told him hey keep it just give me my knife a coat and a sleeping bag and a tarp or whatever, you know, the basics that everybody gets sure. just so we're even. But, um, uh, you know, if you just sent me out there with the clothes
1: on my back, I'd have to figure out a way to make it happen. I would. So I hate to do this to you. I, I know this has been a, a little bit of a tough episode to listen to. Um, EJ is awesome and, and I really want to get this done. So I want you guys to hear, I'm going to call him directly. And uh, we're going to call, we're going to talk to him through the phone, see what we got going on here. So, um. Here we go. Right now, I'm gonna give him a call, and we're rocking and rolling. All right. Yeah, we're going old school, man. Hello. Ah, dude, that's so much better, man. There we go. So, uh, so go ahead. Yeah, so no I asked you what it would be like if, so, if all those people yeah, should so go for it. Group survival situations. You know, I I tell my students you got to lay down the proverbial resumes on
0: the table. Whoever's the most qualified, leave who might not even be the best survivalist, but has that stuff, you know, like I was talking about Bo Stewart, who was out there on Naked Afraid, he's a phrase, you know, special forces officer, was a he's a ranger qualified guy, he's a Green Beret. You know, it would be almost in my DNA as twenty five year army combat that was as a sergeant major to you know follow his lead, because he's trained in that way to to, to properly lead that group and it would it, it would be you know, my honor to be that supporting leader in that group and do my part, you know, but you have to put those, you know, people don't function. If you saw what happened in our episode, we had a large group and we had our smaller group and we just wanted to avoid the drama. We're out there to survive. We just wanted to get after it and just survive. We didn't want to be um, drudged down by, uh, you know, the, the personalities that were, You know, after, you know, 30 days without a cheeseburger, you you get kind of (laughs) angry. And they had their own group dynamic, which their way of strategy of doing things was different than ours. And it was just going to cause a conflict. So just to avoid that conflict, we just stayed separate, tried to work together uh, as we could and and socialize as we could and and share some things when we could. But for the most part, you know, it, it, it just... I made a pact with my partner from day one. I would have his back and that's what I, and I kept that promise and it wasn't a matter of leaving anyone behind. It's just, there was two different strategies going on. I didn't agree with the strategy that was going on over there. I I love all those people, but it just was not, I just, you know, the way they were doing it, I just, I just know myself. And if I would have been over there, I think it would have, it just would have made things very ugly because it would have been very, I get, I wear my emotions on my sleeve and I get very boisterous and I didn't want to do that. So I just felt it better to just stay away from that and and not, and not put that negative energy out there because I wanted to stay positive in the event. And so there was a little misunderstanding about why we were wanting to go across the river on our own. And there was a, there's some things that I promised I would never divulge in terms of, you know, what I was asked to support my partner with. And that's fine. survival protocol says you're going across a fast, moving really dangerous river with piranhas and, and anaconda and possibly came in and you build a raft. And right. that was just, it, when, when I was told that the other group was going to do a kickboard, I just, it just wasn't worth the energy of the argument to say, you, you're wrong. If they felt they were right and, and it worked, it wasn't wrong, but I felt it was very risky uh, somebody slipped off the board, got swept up by the current. At least in a raft, if you get tired, you can just sit there. You know what I'm about sure you just Kick float. In or, or swimming. So is it was just a different philosophies. But when you get those group dynamics, you're right. It can get very tested.
1: Is there? I mean, is there a natural fear for something like that? You're crossing a river with piranha. You're crossing a river with cayman. You're crossing a river with anaconda. I mean, is there, and this is, look, I'm not a survivalist, man. I'm a chef. I'll, 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 I'll make you a hell of a burger if I have to, but, but my, you know, I don't have a fear of doing that. I don't, I'm not afraid to walk into a kitchen and take over and take control and move forward and do what I have to do and be a leader. But is there a point where you're sitting there on the side of the river and you're looking at yourself and you're looking at your partner and you're like, you know what? I'm scared shitless about this.
0: Um, I, don't, I I just never put any thought into it, honestly. I mean, I know it's there. Right. Um, being in, a, in combat, there's always a risk. Something could be happen. But you cannot let fear cripple you. Right. If you let fear cripple you, you won't move forward. Nothing will get done, and then, you know, people will get scared. You've got to figure out how to get them past that and get them to the other side of the river or whatever it is. But I just felt that if something came along and got... Um, you know, we would deal with it as it came. And for us, it, we, we looked at it as a meal. If they get home, there was going to be some chow. Sure. Um, but it, it I just never let that stuff bother me. I just move forward. Just keep pushing forward, whatever it takes. Try to mitigate the risk best you can. Um, and for us, a raft was the best way to do it. Right. And we moved forward. The others, there was uh, six or seven of them. was was six of them. And they got on a kickboard set up kind of a float and they move very quickly with all their, you know, all six of them moving together as one Uh, just, and maybe their safety in numbers, you know, I'm not saying what they did was wrong. If you're all staying together, you look like
1: a, you you look like bigger than the thing that's in the water coming at you, then they leave you alone. Right. Wow. So how much, how much do you rely on your spirituality while you're out there? Um,
0: I, I pray all the time. Um, I'm constantly in prayer and meditation at times. Um, and and it's not, for me, it's, um, it it stills me, it calms me, it guides me. And I ask for guidance and I ask to, you know, for my steps to be laid clear. And it isn't, uh, it isn't, it isn't overdrawn out. It isn't long. Sometimes there may be a long warrior prayer going on, um, you know, this last season you heard my Ranger buddy Chance Davis reciting the Ranger Creed, something I've been living by since 1988, since I've drawn the black and gold Ranger tab on my uh, on my shoulder. Um, I live by that creed as well, and I, it's a reminder of me of, of how to stay clear and focused on what I'm doing. And, um, you know, that's something I, I draw on and recite as, you know, to myself, and, and that's just for me, you know. And, that's cool. Um, but I know there's a higher power guiding me for a greater purpose. And so I just am always worried about, you know, I don't want to fall short. Right. I want to be that voice or that guide or that vessel to, to get that message out. And so I just ask for clarity and being, um, you know, to, to to be a good steward for that right. and, and, and just try to make the right steps. And I don't always get it right in life. I make my mistakes and I got to ask for forgiveness. And, for God and from people sometimes, but um, I always try to
1: be a better man than I was the day before. Right. Well, dude, I, uh, uh, we, we've, we've been doing this for about an hour and 15, an hour and 20 minutes, and I don't want to take up your whole night. I know you've got a family and, and, uh, all that good stuff. Um, but, uh, I, I mean, I just, I just want to say thanks, man. It was really an, an honor talking to you. Um, I had no idea. I'll be honest, man. I've seen the show. I've seen you. I did my research on you. I, I had no idea the depth that you had, man, and, and it's impressive. And, uh, Thank and, you, and, and,
0: and um, I appreciate it, and it's an appreciation of getting to know you tonight and through this conversation, and hopefully others uh, were inspired, motivated, or got to see a little bit more about me. Um, there's a lot of facets to me, and you can see that on YouTube or wherever you
1: yeah. Google
0: me, but I'd love to do it again sometime. and be. Really, really
1: honored to be a guest again. Yeah, man, I'd love to have you back, and I'd love to, to know what's going on. And, and, and it's funny, you you know, I, I kind of take notes as I go through these things, as I walk, as I go through, and, you know, I, I, a lot of stuff that I talked about, like research for location, lessons for newbies, which actually that's something that, that I, if you don't mind me asking, just a couple more minutes here, you know, do you have a, a, I mean, what is the one thing that you can say that you teach your, um, you know, your students while you're doing it, and, and what is the number one thing That if you are ever caught in this situation or, you know, where you are in a survivalist situation, what's the one thing that you have to say that really is something that I should know?
0: The the biggest thing is to stay calm. Yeah. Do not allow the situation to dictate your actions, allow your actions to dictate the situation. So by remaining calm, assessing the situation as it is on the ground, you may have casualties, you may, you know, maybe other threats coming in people, animals, weather. Um, but you know, stay calm, assess the situation, make a plan, and then you execute. And for me, um, you know, one of the survival traits that people, one of the things they, they always remember, food, fire, water, shelter. Well, there's also security, there's leadership and organization, and then there's communications and that includes rescue. And then there's medical. So there's a lot of facets to survival people forget about. navigation getting through obstacles, those kinds of things. They're all encompassing, but it starts with remaining calm, assessing the situation,
1: make a plan, and then get after it. Right. Well, you, you had said something that uh, that I absolutely love because uh, I'm a spiritual guy myself and some of the stuff that I do, and I try to meditate as much as I can and try to have a positive attitude about things. But the one thing that you said <laughs> that I wrote down that I actually highlighted and then turned red was that you can't let fear cripple you. Um, and, and uh, that's a big statement, man. That's a lot. You know I mean? Fear fear dictates a lot of people's lives, and fear dictates a lot of people's decision-making. Um, so that's, a, that's an important it, it, thing there.
0: Yeah. In the Army Survival Manual, we have an acronym, Survival, and each keyword in survival, every letter stands for something. And it's a guide for people to survive on. And one of those things is vanquish fear and panic. And, uh, you know, it's a good... If you want to get a great book, to help you start out your survival kit, get the Army Survival Guide off of any ma- either Amazon or wherever. They're not that expensive. Uh, that book, and then the SAS Survival Handbook by Loppy Wiseman. Those are the two books that I uh, never really go far without because they're a great reference.
1: Nice man. Nice. All right. So let's uh, so let's do this real quick. What's going on for you? Coming up, you have any appearances? You have anything good going on?
0: Um, I'll be. Let's see. Um, you got. If you go to my website, like I said, we make announcements on any of my social medias. Okay. Um, I've got a lot of stuff coming up. Doing some stuff with some vets coming up in the uh, fall. Uh, trying to raise money for those guys and you know, their medical stuff. In October, uh, around the sixth to the tenth, I'll be in uh, the Pueblo, Colorado Springs area, uh, working with the Baton Death March of the University over there to raise scholarship money for veterans. Uh, you know, I'm just going to, I'm all over the place. I'm doing a lot of these survival expos, uh, all over the country. I'm working on a book and, uh, so no, no exact timeline when that's coming out, but I do write for several magazines, uh, Knives Illustrated, American Survival Guide, getting ready to write for Recoil and Off Grid. Um, so just trying to always get the word out there. So if you link up with me on my social medias, that's where you'll see where I'm going to be at. And. Like I said, I'm always up for hire, but it's motivational speaking, uh, contracting out to teach survival classes anywhere across the country, leadership and team building classes, um, and you know, I do a lot of commercial voiceover work and a lot of brand ambassadorship stuff now. So and if you're doing a trade show or, or some kind of a charity event, uh, I, my prices are very reasonable, very <laughs> negotiable.
1: Nice, dude. I love it. Uh, so give us one more time your website and uh, your your stuff.
0: EJsnyder.com is my website. You can link up with any of my social medias there, but Twitter and Instagram at EJsnyder333. Facebook, go to EJSkullcrusherSnyder and join the Skullcrusher Nation.
1: <laughs> I love it, dude. EJ, thank you so much for your time, man. I really appreciate it. And, uh, dude, I'd love to grab a beer sometime if I'm ever down your way or if you're ever up in the Philadelphia market or whatever. I'd love to love to sit down and have a conversation with you further, man.
0: Absolutely, chef. Can't wait, and I'll pick
1: you up on making that cheeseburger. All right, dude, you got it, man. Take care of yourself, okay, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, brother. Okay, man. Bye. Bye. Wow. All right. So that's fucking awesome, man. That's pretty cool. I'm I'm a, I'm a big fan of his. You know, I've seen the shows, and and it's kind of fun to watch the way that these things come together. And uh you know, you have a or you watch somebody on TV for a while, and then you have a conversation with them. You get to really kind of get an understanding. And and I hope that when I interview people that you guys, um, you know, you guys are getting a part of what I'm feeling with these these people. You know, I I don't sit here and have a preset bunch of questions that I ask. I have a basic idea of who everybody is, but I think that that it's a little bit more raw and it's a little bit more real when you get to talk to somebody like EJ Snyder who has, you know I mean? This is a guy who has spent 25 years in the military. You know, he's 51 years old and has done, pardon my hiccups there, and has done, uh, you know, more than most of us could ever imagine. Um, you know, I mean, his bio is is unbelievably long, and to listen to him talk, you really get an idea of of kind of who he is and, and how far along he's come. And it's it's kind of cool to watch. So um, I hope everybody goes and checks him out. Uh, Facebook is EJ Skullcrusher uh, Snyder. Go check him out. Um, EJ Snyder three 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 on all the other stuff, which is awesome. Um, EJ, hey man, I hope I made you proud by by putting this up there and. And some of that stuff, um, I hope you enjoyed it, as you said, so we're good. Um, So thank you very much, E.J. Snyder. I appreciate your time, your expertise, your spirituality, and your words of wisdom. And if we're going to leave Mr. Snyder uh, uh, this way, I'd like to say that one thing that really rang true with me is that you can't let fear cripple you. You know, A lot of what we do in this world is driven by fear, uh, or a lot of what we don't do in this world is driven by fear. And if you're afraid of everything— um, then you're never going to do anything. So for me, uh, you know, I've made a lot of leaps in my life and a lot of things to move forward in my life to kind of make me a better person and to do things better for me, for my family, whatever it is. And I, I have to say that, uh, you know, fear is something that that's always in there. It's always kind of behind you a little bit. It's something that kind of kind of pushes you But it. It's that you, it's that what's that one, you know, maybe kind of drive past or Hey, maybe I don't need to do that other shot or whatever it works out to be. I have no idea. Now I'm just kind of babbling and and because and, I because I I, I, I kind of get you know I get close with these people when I start talking to them leading up to it we have a series of conversations and um, you know through email and stuff like that but then you finally get that person on and, and it's really kind of cool to me so so you can't let fear cripple you run with that for as much as you can I hope you guys take that through for the entire week uh, until next week um, you know when I have another guest on so I want to thank CJ I want to thank everybody out there for listening and I really appreciate your time your energy and uh, your dedication and loyalty to what it is that I try to do out here. So thank you guys very much. Uh, I'm going to take off. I'm going to go. I'm in uh, Rockford, Illinois. I'm going to go out and have a beer. want to thank EJ Schneider for hopping on with me um, and, and, and schooling me a little bit in, in the ways of, some of the shows that he's been on and the spirituality and the world that he lives in as well. Um, I appreciate that. Um, I want to thank my sponsors. I want to thank nogginware.com for all that they do for us. I also want to thank Maggie Gagliardi, our artist. She's amazing. Mag's art. I want to thank. Um, uh, I definitely want to thank uh, techno solution. Uh, Michelle and her team out there for the website and all the support that they have. And absolutely the boys at RadioInfluence.com. They're another super group um, without them. This show just would not be happening. Uh, we've tried with other people and it failed. We got a good show, I think, and I'm I'm really kind of enjoying doing it, even though I get to talk and, and uh, just kind of babble in your ear for a little bit. I appreciate it. It's a nice little event for me, and I hope you guys are learning something as well. So that's it for the show. This was a long one, another long one. These conversations always end up going super long. Uh, but that's it, everybody. Thank you so much for having a great week, and uh, I hope you have another one coming up. And uh, definitely go out there and check out EJ Snyder and all my sponsors as well. Love you all. Have a great week. Bye-bye. Didn't get Duffified enough? Follow Chef Brian Duffy on Facebook and on Twitter at Chef B-R-I-D-U-F-F. Look for the blue verified checkmark to get exclusive content and to see what's coming up on next week's show. This has been Duffified Live with Chef Brian Duffy on Radio Influence. When you are looking
2: for the latest news and notes going on in the world of mixed martial arts, the MMA Report Podcast is the place to come. News from the UFC, Bellator, World Series of Fighting, and so much more. And also, we'll have interviews with some of your favorite fighters. The MMA Report Podcast can be found on RadioInfluence.com, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, and SoundCloud.